Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom convo. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's up 
liftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. I'm Mike Vardy. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because Crash Plan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to crashplan.com slash timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast, so take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash timecrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash timecrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout? Oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. 
So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? It's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. This is the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy. And this week on the show, we have Marina Darlow with me. Uh, We had a great conversation talking about to-do lists, productivity, the kind of stuff that she does. She really helps people with their, you know, their visions, their, their, uh, you know, she, she goes through all the tools, gives people, their entrepreneurs, the tools that they need and support to build a thriving business. And we had a chance to chat and and kind of dive into some of the things that she goes over with her clients and, and on her website, including some of the things that you can do to, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with, 
the items on your to-do list, things that you don't like doing here. It's, she's got some strategies and as to how to make those things happen, even when you don't really want them to. She also dives into some of the elements of uh, decision-making, things like that. Uh, again, we dive into the idea of when you get stuck. And there's so many other things that we dive into during this episode. It's, uh, you know, we got a half hour, and I just want to dive into it uh, with Marina Darlow here on the Productivities Podcast. So check it out. Here we go. I'd like to welcome Marina Darlow to the Productivityist Podcast. Marina, thanks for joining me this week. Thank you for having me. It's awesome. So, uh, you know, we've had a chance to, you know, have exchanges on Twitter and, and, and such. And, and you are a, this is what I love, um, because uh, mo- most of the people who have listened to the show have heard me talk about systems versus goals, the whole Scott Adams uh, mantra about a, a systems mindset over a goals mindset. I'll link to that in the show notes for anybody who uh, doesn't know what I'm talking about. But you are a systems expert and a productivity geek. You describe yourself as that. Um, can you give me an example of how those two things you find those two things intersect because if you have got a real love for productivity and you're you geek out about it how how do you how do you marry that idea of being a systems expert with product like how do they go hand in hand for you it's weird that you ask because for me um systems are at the core of productivity and i probably should define systems the way i view them go for it Uh, so it makes the connection clearer. A system is a process that you follow for the stuff that you do either repeatedly or stuff that you're kind of reluctant doing, uh, which means if you have a system for it, um, and you don't need to struggle with the task or the process every single time, um, you free up brain space to create. You free up time, uh, you free up energy and money, of course, because they usually go hand in hand, which means you're more productive. And since we're in the definitions realm, productivity is not just, you know, making 300 widgets in an hour instead of 200 widgets in an hour. We're kind of past that point. Uh, But it's making sure that stuff that really matters most to you um, is getting done. And by matters most also, clearly these are the big things and the big goals, but sometimes it's just the stuff that's most urgent and absolutely has to be done by a deadline. Having a system in place really, really helps you, you know, get both the important and the urgent stuff done. So neither of them frustrates you. Yeah, gotcha. Now I want to, I want to talk about you being a systems expert. What what makes a system a good system? Because you know, I mean, I, there are a lot of different. And, and let's let's even go deeper with that. A good system for an individual, because I think a lot of people what they'll do is they'll adopt a system that someone else is using, and it isn't a good fit for them. So, what makes a system a good person for an individual, or for even for an organization? If that, if you want to go to that that direction. So first and foremost, every individual processes information differently, and I mostly work with entrepreneurs. So when I talk about what makes a system a good system, uh, the people in my mind that I kind of do it for are the very people who struggle with systems in the first place. These are usually the visionaries, and these are the big creators, the big picture people, which are also really great immediate respondent, uh, immediate responders, uh, but they 
very often struggle with the in-between. And these are the people that making system work is especially important to, uh, for, both because their visions are usually grander. So we as a society would benefit more from them executing on these visions. And also because these are the people that struggle most. So for the entrepreneurial, for the frenzy, for um, actually initially devised that kind of rules that make a system a good system for ADHDers. Um, but I found out that it works for most of us. Here are the five rules that I believe make a system work. First, it has to be easy to use. Uh, what does it mean easy to use? Most of the systems that we use have to do with information. So easy to use means easy to enter information. You know, if, for example, one click um, on Pinterest to save or one button to speak or to schedule something makes, uh, makes it easy to enter information. The system has to make it easy to find information um, and easy to understand what the heck you found. So, for example, if I have a wonderful spreadsheet uh, with a macro and I put in a query and it spits at me a wall of numbers and I'm really not very much of a numbers person. I'm very visual, let's say. Mm -hmm. This system is not easy for me to, to use. I don't understand the output. So that makes total sense. That makes it because everybody, everybody, uh, like you said earlier, everybody parses information out in, in their own way. Some people are going to be really great with that kind of stuff. And some people are just going to not be able to grasp that. So that easy is, again, it's very personal, right? Yeah. Yeah. The principles apply. Easy to enter, easy to find, easy to understand. Mm -hmm. But what makes it easy for you specifically differs from person to person. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And the second rule <clears throat> or rule of thumb, so to speak, uh, everything you can put it on reminders. I first discovered it with my first iPhone a number of years ago when my then three-year-old operated a smartphone better than I did. And uh, if I go, let's say, of course, now I'm blanking an example. But basically, if I put a button on my phone mm -hmm. on my way to pick my daughter from school and I say, remind me to pick up laundry when I'm home. Right. I don't need to think about that laundry anymore. Uh, it also works really well if I have an idea. And I press the same button on my phone and I say, remind me to write up the blog post about the cyclical nature of creativity. Right. Because I have this idea, but I can't do it right now. Um, I want to put it, you know, outside my head in a system. Reminders also work for stuff like meetings. So you don't forget things, um, not just for, you know, remind me later to do something. Right. Time, time specific stuff, as opposed to remind me in two weeks about writing this thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there are important things about reminders. First, they should not interrupt a natural flow of things. So, for example, if I decided to go on a morning run and a reminder about that blog post beeps at me, it won't be really helpful. I won't write it up. I might forget about it by the end of the run. So it makes sense that this reminder beeps at me when I'm in my writing time block anyways. Right. And the... Next thing 
that reminders need to be hard to ignore. That's especially true for ADHDers because they tend to ignore reminders. So you have all kinds of apps that either make them gentle and pleasant so people enjoy um, giving attention to these reminders, or you make them really, really annoying so you can't ignore them, like that um, alarm clock that would only stop screaming at you if you solve a mathematical problem. Well, right. That's an yeah. Example. No, no, I've seen that. Or the or the one that drives off the table that I used to have. I used to. It's called Clocky. And I used to uh, when I was having trouble waking up before I started using Sleep Cycle, it would drive. It had wheels on it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And it would literally drive off the table, and it would be beeping, and you would actually have to get up, chase it, and then hit the button to turn it off. Uh, I, it's crazy, but oh you, some people I'm need that. Whether I should get this or if I get this. <laughs> I'll break it on like the third morning. <laughs> I'll crush it. <laughs> but uh, but no, that makes. I mean, so so what's the fourth one then? So we've got the th- uh, or the third one, the third. Uh, so the you third the, one. Yeah. Well, system don't have to be rigid. Mm. Um, a lot of people who come to me, they come in a mindset that I don't do systems. I hate systems, and that's the very reason they want to outsource system work to somebody somebody else. Mostly creative types, I would imagine, love love to do this because that they, they feel that create create you know kind of being a creative. If it's too rigid, then then it's going to stunt their creativity, right? Absolutely, yes. And in my mind, systems don't have to be rigid. They have to have built-in choice. You know, I mentioned that writing calendar block um, before, and I do that for myself too. So for example, if I have a writing block in my calendar and I know that Monday mornings are dedicated to writing, I can choose if I want to write a blog, if I want to write, you know, 10 tweets for my upcoming launch, um, if I want to do a product description, if I want to write curriculum, or essentially whatever whatever mood I'm in. And the fact that the system has a built-in choice lowers resistance to actually use the system, which mm-hmm. means... This is a total affirmation for the Now Year Method because my, my system is, you know, the one I teach is very, mm-hmm. you know, it's very flexible, but yet durable. And I think that that's what you're saying, right? Is that there's that idea of... of it needs to be in place. It needs to be something you trust, but it can be yours. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I've written about why I left getting things done behind because it seemed too rigid for me. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, is that it probably for others, it's not too rigid at all. It's some, it's what they require and they can work within the, the boundaries of what uh, getting things done allows. I could not. So I think it's really interesting that that the, you know, some of the parallels that we're discussing, you know, the fact that rigidity, uh, again, very personal, very, uh, you know, self, self-oriented, but also um, you, you give people permission to say, hey, look, you know, adopt a system, but make it yours. It does not have to be rigid. There could be some flexibility built into it, but just make sure you use it. I think that's the thing. The key is, is they have to use it, right? Absolutely, because otherwise it's not there for its pretty eyes. It's a, when you don't use a system and by using a system, I mean, using it to your benefit, Mm -hmm. it very quickly becomes a burden. So you either use it or it, or it's in your way. There's basically almost no in between. Um, So might as well create a system or tweak it to a system that works for you. System that doesn't constrict you. 
Uh, I, by the way, I loved your discussion with Michael Dolan about uh, getting things done. There was like a tension that um, made the episode very um, engaging. Well, it's it's funny because with him, I had to make sure that uh, you know that we you know, that, that there was an understanding that, look, you know, I mean, I totally get the benefits of it, but uh, he's one of the only people, if not the only person who gets to teach GTD that falls outside of the Getting Things Done organization. I'll link to that episode in the show notes as well. But uh, yeah, there definitely was this this idea of, look, and, and I haven't talked to David Allen since I've left Getting Things Done Behind. So I think at some point it would be interesting for him and I to have a discussion as well, just to see, um, because I don't think that, and again, I don't think that it's, there's anything wrong with the getting things done methodology. Clearly it's worked for hundreds of thousands of people or more. Um, it, you know, it worked for me for a time, but eventually, I mean, sometimes things evolve, right? So I definitely, I definitely hear what you're saying about, about the idea of rigidity in systems and how to make sure that you own that system so that it doesn't feel as rigid. Now, what about the fourth thing? Fourth thing. Uh, so ideally I believe a system should feel like a guilty pleasure doesn't always happen, but that's the ideal you should strive for. So for example, use the tools that you love. If you use office supplies, make sure they're really, really beautiful and pleasant to the touch. Enticing colors, funny sounds, and in general, create experience. So for example, if I have a client that needs to run team meetings because they have a small team and they need to communicate, and, you know, you put a place, uh, you put a system in place for the agendas and the recurring meetings and, the, you know, who's responsible for what and how the meetings go and who, you know, where do we keep the documents and so on. But that's not enough. That's kind of dry. What if you make sure you, you know, that meeting is when you get your perfect decadent mocha with whipped cream because mm -hmm. that's what you love. What if you make a little tradition for the team meetings to tell a funny story from the last week and every member of the team starts the meeting with something interesting or funny. Essentially, you create a pleasant, engaging, fun experience when you use that system. Um, there is one example that is kind of controversial, but that's probably why I really want to give it here. Sure. Uh, there was an app and it was called a carrot, and I don't think it's in uh, yeah. use anymore. Carrots, carrots still around. You can actually still get. Yep, yeah, you can still get it. Yep. I stopped uh, advising um, people using it, especially people you know in my in my community, because on one hand, it's tremendously engaging. Mm -hmm. There is that experience. There is you know a snarky human, more or less, um, that interacts with you with every task that you do or you don't do. The reason I stopped uh, advising using it is because many of the people I work with are people pleasers. Um, I don't know if it's the nature of my particular work or it just happens so, but if you're a people pleaser and Carrot yells at you essentially, you quickly deteriorate to doing very simple tasks just to get this um, confirmation, this validation. Oh, look, it's done. Right. Because it's so emotional. Yeah, it's game. It, 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 that's the problem I have with gamification in general. Uh, huh. uh, well, I'll give you an example. Um, so this past weekend, as we were recording, this was the long weekend. 
And mm-hmm. whenever I go away for, for a vacation, I, I use Todoist for my primary task management. And I turn off Todoist Karma. And what Karma is, it's like the points that you get for completing tasks and so on and so forth. Uh, I turned it off because, um, you know, I'm not going to be, I wasn't going to be doing very much, uh, you know, over the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I normally don't have Karma on for Saturdays anyways, because that's my family day. But mm-hmm. on Friday, Sunday, and Monday, I, I normally do. And I, my karma is set to complete at least 10 tasks that are in Todoist. That's kind of my my low you know threshold of, especially since I use Asana as well for team-based stuff. So what, what happens is, is that if you are getting close, so let's say I only have eight tasks done. And let's use today as an example. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. And it's getting close to the end of the day. I will frantically search to complete the – I used to. don't do this anymore. But I would frantically search to complete those two tasks to hit that 10. So it's – again, it becomes about doing stuff just for the sake of doing stuff. Exactly. As as opposed to doing the right stuff. So – and I think that that, while gamification has its benefits, I think you need to keep it in check and be realistic about it and understand, well, why am I – you know. Uh, the, the, there better be a high value in the high value tasks as opposed to just an arbitrary value for all of your tasks because otherwise you're going to be doing things like, oh, look, I folded my laundry. There's a point for that. Oh, you know, I mean, some things are worth that. I mean, if, you're, if your job is to work in a laundromat and that's what you're supposed to do, great, that's a high value task per se. But you know what I mean? I think that there's, you're, you're absolutely oh, right. That. There is there's definitely um, gamification is is both a blessing and a curse. Again, it's just how you you how the it's it's user error. Like with so many other things, it's, it, it it can all be attributed to user error. Absolutely, and you know what? Remind me, I want to get back to this after I mm-hmm. um, talk about the fifth point. Yep. Um, for the good system, because it reminded me of something I recently wrote about. Sure. Um, and. You know, we'll see if you have other questions. We don't have to talk about it. But well, let, let's just, get let's get into the fifth one and then we'll come back to that. OK, so the fifth is actually, in my mind, is the most important part of a working system. And if the reader, uh, the readers, the listeners get one single thing from that episode, that should be it. A system works best if it has a built in accountability. Gotcha. So explain, explain how that now is that built in accountability to oneself, built in accountability to others? Define that a little bit more. Oh, it really depends. So, sorry. So for some people, they are very self-reliant and they have a high level of discipline and the accountability to oneself is all they need. These people, in my experience, are very few and far between, and I'm not one of them. Mm. So it could be something as basic as, you know, marking an X on your paper calendar for another day that you exercised. And it kind of like you can see this. So you're kind of accountable. You can, you know, you can have this like karma to do is that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So there is measurement and there is implicit accountability in that. But for the really important things, frankly, the best way is still to have another person that you enter an accountability relationship with. Now, you coach people, so you know how that is. I believe there is a reason for a booming coaching industry. It's because people need accountability. Right. People have the information. People even know how. But in 
order to help them do stuff, they need, you know, they need guidance, but they really, really need accountability. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, you know, someone who you report to. It doesn't have to be your boss, but it has to be a relationship of a commitment where you feel uncomfortable to break it. Right. No, that makes total sense. That makes absolutely, I mean, there's a reason why I have people that sign up for productivity as coaching. There's a reason why patrons at the Patreon level are contributing $50 at that level to get, you know, some limited slots with me every month. It's just, there is that, and it's funny, uh, again, and this isn't the goal either, but uh, I don't know if you find this, Marina, but uh, I've met with clients before who, uh, you know, I'll talk about like, hey, did you complete your homework? Yeah, I just did it before we got on, they'll say. I'm like, so it becomes the... I need to do this before I meet with Mike next because he's going to call me on it. And that's not what you want. You want it to be happening measurably from the moment you last get off the call with them to the moment that you get on the call with them for the next call. Uh, but, you know, some people are that, – that's that's some, sometimes circumstances force people into that situation. Sometimes people <clears> – <throat> I mean, I remember – excuse me. I remember uh, in high school. We all did this in college. <laughs> Uh, cramming for that exam at the last moment, right? You know, I mean, that's going to happen from time to time, but right. So I think that there's some definite, uh, I mean, the benefits of accountability are great. And, and, and here's the other thing is that, um, if anyone out there who's listening, if you don't think that, that Marina and I don't look for accountability elsewhere, you'd be, you'd be wrong because, uh, I'm a member of masterminds groups and, and I've got a couple of them a member of, and we each give each other, and I'm with some pretty high, high octane people in those groups and we're all giving each other homework and challenges and accountability. So it, it doesn't stop with, um, with, you know, it doesn't stop when you, you mean, when you get to a certain level, if you want to say that or whatever, I mean, everyone's going to need some accountability because it, it pushes you to be better. Um, the book uh, that I just finished reading last night, Ryan Holiday's Ego is the Enemy. It, it's, it, I'll put I'll a little, it. it's so good. Uh, you know, he, he mentioned some stories in there that basically, you know, it, it, if his last book, The Obstacle is the Way, was, is about external um, barriers to success, then ego is the enemy is talking about the internal barriers and the internal, right. you know, so it's another great read. It's not terribly long either. And it's very, um, really well researched. Ryan Holiday's books generally are. Um, so for me, I, I, again, I, I think that fifth component, like you said, is, is so critical because, uh, you know, it, it will push you to take things to the next level and you can see accelerated growth because you've got other people that aren't chiding you, they're cheering you on. And I think that's, that's including yourself. I mean, the reason that I leave uh, notes for my, I, I do my three absolutes the night before is because the person that finished that night up is the wisest person at that point in time. And I want that person to tell the person first thing in the morning, who's just getting out of bed and is more likely to jump on Facebook or, or, you know, read up on the latest Cincinnati Bengals news to say, Hey, no, hold on a second. Here are the three things that you want to do. So you can, again, like you said, you can create accountability for yourself. It's a matter of, of making sure that you, again, this all comes back to, and this is what we, what I love about systemization is the system. If, if, if kept in check, will keep you in check. I agree. And you know what? We talked before about system being flexible and not rigid. And I believe accountability is part of that. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally. It's not a military relationship necessarily, right? You don't report to your military commander. No. Accountability could be flexible in terms of what you do, 
how people, you know, how people react to you. Um, the way, you- the, the way you do it too is, is completely flexible. I mean, it could be what we're doing right now. It could be, uh, email. I mean, there, Matt, Matthew Kimberly did a 30 day program where he just emailed everybody every day. Uh, spe- the, people got accountability emails from him every day for 30 days. Uh, that could be enough for you. It's all, yep. again, it's all dependent. This is the personal component that we're talking about, right? Yep, absolutely. A client of mine uh, ran her programs and she had text check-ins with her clients, with her group um, every weekday. She actually, <laughs> that was too much at this point, but um, but she did it because it was really effective. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Let's get back to that thing we wanted to get to before we forgot, you know, about the, the do you remember what, do you remember what we were talking about? Okay, <laughs> so go you ahead. The Todoist Karma mm-hmm. and how you turn it off. Yep. And it reminded me about there are times when your brain is just not in a creative mode. You can't bring yourself to do anything of consequence, like the very basic tasks. And I knew it happens to me and I suspected it happened to other people. So I started asking around and I was right. And I used to feel completely guilty and hopeless and being myself up about this, you know, oh, here I am sitting here staring at the screen and doing exactly nothing. I um, fold my laundry and I load my dishwasher, but that's about it. And you mentioned gamification and how it's, you know, it's a coin with two sides and it can be dangerous Mm -hmm. and how certain tasks you do them for the sake of tasks. Often in these like creative deserts, so to speak, this is a way of stalling. This is a way of not facing um, something you're afraid of. Right. I'm not going to sit down and write about, you know, something that really pains me. I'm going to clean my house instead. I'm going to, you know, run through my low priority folder because, oh, what if there's something interesting and so on. So yes, you check off these tasks, but they actually, they impede you instead of giving you the actual karma, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, like what I realized is that track these patterns and know when your uncreative times, you're like, whatever you call them, your plateaus, your creative deserts, when they're coming on, when they suddenly, you know, jump on you. And then you can both, you know, just be aware and stop beating yourself up and remember that these things are cyclical and you will be creative again in a certain while. Instead of, you know, miring yourself in guilt and wasting energy on that, you can just decide to rest or you can plan for them if it's something that happens on a, you know, relatively regular basis. Mm -hmm. For example, if you know that you work out really, really, you know, if you have a really hard workout on Thursdays and on Fridays, you are still reeling from it and you can barely move an arm, maybe, you know, and maybe Fridays is not the best time for writing. Right. So you can plan for this stuff and you can plan the menial tasks, something that doesn't require a lot of soul or a lot of brain from you and still feel effective and get rid of that. Well, Marina, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the show. And I know you've got some stuff that you want to share with my listeners before you wrap up. So 
Take it away. <laughs> Thanks. So first of all, it was awesome being here. I really, really love talking to you. You're kind of like one of the people that I really admire for the work that you do. So it's a huge honor being on this podcast. Um, I did put together a couple of resources for your listeners. If you go to my website and it's um, www.vision-framework.com um, slash productivityist, there will be two eBooks that you could download. Obviously, they're free. Uh, one is the summary of the five principles of a good system that we were talking on the show. So you can download it and have it written in a pretty PDF. So you can refer to it if you want to. And there's another ebook about making a habit stick. So there are seven mind shift, um, mindset shifts that help you make a habit stick. Because I believe that a huge part of using a system is actually creating good, healthy habits when it's easier to do something than to not do it. Uh, but it's very hard to develop a habit. And, it's, and by developing, I don't mean just, you know, doing it once, twice, or 10 times, it making it a part of your life, making it integral to your behavior. Um, so this ebook talks about seven tricks, so to speak, that help you make a habit stick. And it's all on the same page. Go to my websites. It's vision-framework.com slash productivityist. Or you can come to my blog, which is right there. Just do slash blog. Awesome. Thanks so much, Marina, for joining me this week on the Productivityist Podcast. Thank you. That wraps up this week's episode of the Productivityist Podcast. You can find out more about Marina over at her website and all the other stuff she talks about. Of course, you can check that out in the show notes, whether you're looking at it on the blog or whether you're looking at your podcast application of choice, which, by the way, if you are using a podcast application to listen to this, I would love it if you leave a rating or review either in the application or maybe in iTunes, whatever you're using. That would be great. It helps more people find the show. It helps me make more improvements to the show. Big thanks to John Polster for producing the show once again this week. He's been given some tighter timelines as of late because our backlog is not as great as it once was because of the thing that I'm working on right now, which is a book. Um, so thanks to John for, for that. Thanks to all of you for joining me this week. And if you want to get more content, because there, it just doesn't end here, uh, Patreon supporters, supporters of the Productivityist podcast, get additional content each and every week. Head over to patreon.com slash productivityist to learn all about that and see what you can get for as little as a dollar a month, what you'll get for that. That's it for this week. Thanks again for joining me. Until next time, I'm your host, Mike Vardy, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. <laughs>